Chapter thirty four of Ticonderoga by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four. Very different from the array of Abercrombie's army was the march of the Oneidas through the deep woods on the western side of Lake Horicon. Far spread out and separate from each other, they pursued a number of different trails in profound silence and in single files of not more than twenty or thirty each. And yet, with what seemed a sort of instinct, each party directed its course unerringly to one particular point. They knew the spot they were to strike, they knew the time they were to be there, and at that spot, and at that time, each little band appeared with its most famous warrior at its head. Thus, in the small savannah where the poor negress, Sister Bab, had found the advance guard of the whole nation. Nearly six hundred warriors of the Children of the Stone assembled on the night of Saturday. Dressed like themselves, with tomahawk and knife in his belt, and moccasins upon his feet, appeared Walter Prevost, distinguished from the rest by his fair skin and flowing hair. The sports of the field, the wild life he had left for several years, and even the hardships he had lately suffered, had fitted him for all the fatigues of an Indian march, and rendered a frame naturally strong, extraordinarily robust and active. Ignorant of any danger to those he best loved, rejoicing in deliverance from captivity and the peril of death, and full of bright hopes for the future, his heart was light and gay, and happiness added energy to vigour. The hardy warriors with whom he marched saw with surprise and admiration the son of the pale-face bear difficulties and fatigues as well as themselves, and come in at the close of the day as fresh and cheerful. The fires were lighted, the rifles piled near to each separate band, and the food which they brought with them cooked after their fashion and distributed amongst them. But the meal was not over ere another small band joined them, and Black Eagle himself passed round the different fires, till he paused by that at which Walter was seated. None of his own people had taken any notice of his appearance. Once or twice one of the warriors indeed looked up as he went by, but no sign of reverence or recognition was given, till Walter, after the European fashion, rose and extended his hand. "'Thou art before me, my son,' said the chief. "'The wings of the black eagle have had far to fly. I have visited thy father's lodge,' and have followed him to the new castle at the midday end of Horicon. "'My father,' said Walter in great surprise, "'was he not at his house?' "'Nay, he is a war-chief with the army,' said Black Eagle. "'Then where is Edith?' inquired the young man. "'Did you leave the blossom with her?' "'I left Otatsa at thy father's house,' answered the chief, "'but thy sister was not there.' "'Where was she, then?' asked Walter with some alarm. "'I know not,' answered Black Eagle, and was silent. "'Perhaps he has taken her to Albany,' rejoined the young man. "'But you saw my father. How did he fare?' "'Well,' answered Black Eagle, "'quite well, and he gives thee to a tetzer. The blossom is thine.' "'Then Edith is safe,' said Walter, in a tone of relief, "'and my father's mind must have been relieved about me, "'for he could not be well or seem well "'if either of his children were in danger.' "'The red man feels much as the white man,' answered Black Eagle, "'but he leaves tears and lamentations, sighs and sad looks to women and to children. 
Where is the night hawk and the warriors who were with him? They're on before, replied the youth. We have not seen them, but their fires have been lighted here. No further questions were asked by the chief, and walking slowly away, he seated himself with those who had accompanied him to partake of the meal they were making ready. Few words were spoken amongst the various groups assembled there, and some twenty minutes had elapsed when one of the young men seated at the fire with the black eagle started up and darted away toward the north like a frightened deer. No one took any notice, and several soon after composed themselves to sleep. The others sat round their fires, with their heads bent down almost to their knees, and the murmur of a few sentences spoken here and there was the only sound that broke the silence for nearly an hour. At the end of that time two young warriors on the north side of the savannah started up and listened, and shortly after several of the Oneidas who had rested in the neighbourhood of the same spot the night before were seen coming through the long grass and crossing the tiny brook which meandered through the midst. Led by the young messenger who had lately departed to seek for them, they glided up to the fire of the great chief and seated themselves beside him. The conversation then grew earnest, and quick and eager gestures and flashing eyes might be seen. The great body of the Oneidas took not the slightest notice of what was taking place around the council fire of the Black Eagle, but Walter watched every look with an indefinable feeling of interest and curiosity, and after much discussion and many a long pause between, the chief beckoned him up and made him sit in the circle. "'Thou art young to talk with warriors,' said the Black Eagle when he was seated. "'Thy hand is strong against the panther and the deer, "'but it has never taken the scalp of an enemy. "'But the daughter of the white man Prevost is my daughter, "'and she is thy sister. "'Know then, my son, that she is in the power of the French. "'The Honantko, whom we have expelled, they are wolves, "'they have taken her, they have run her down "'as a hungry pack runs down a fawn.' and have delivered her and themselves into the hands of the enemy. The muzzles of their rifles have fire for our bosoms, their knives are thirsty for our scalps. Be not a woman who cannot hear with a calm eye or limbs that are still, but sit and listen, and then prove thyself a warrior in the fight. He then went on to repeat all that he had just heard from the chief who had succoured the poor negress on the preceding night, and all that had been done since. "'Our night-hawk was right,' he said, "'to send word that we would deliver thy sister, "'for she is a daughter of the Oneida. "'The story also of the dark cloud is true, "'for the children of the stone have caused search to be made, "'and they have found the horses that were lost "'and the body of the man they slew. "'They scalped him not, it is true, "'for what is the scalp of a negro worth? "'But the print of the tomahawk was between his eyes.' "'Let me have a horse,' cried Walter, "'and I will bring her out of the midst of them.' "'The swallow flies faster than the eagle,' said the chief. "'But where is his strength? "'Listen, boy, to the words that come forth from many years. "'Thy sister must be delivered, "'but our brethren, the English, must know of this ambush, "'lest they fall into it. "'So too shall she be saved more surely. "'Draw, then, upon this paper the history of the thing, "'and send it to the great chief, thy friend, the falling cataract. "'I will find a messenger who knows him.' Then will we break in upon this ambush at the same time with the English, and the scalps of the Honantko shall hang upon the war-post, for they are not the children of the stone. They spat upon their mother. 
One of the horses, too, shalt thou have to save thy sister out of the fight, if a thing with four feet can run easily in this forest. There is a great trail from the setting sun to the place of the sounding waters, said the night hawk. A horse can run there as well as a deer. It passes close by the back of the hiding place of the Frenchman. Let me hear, said Walter, mastering his emotion and striving to imitate the calm manner of the Indians. Let me hear where this hiding place is and what it is like. The white man, though he be but young, knows the ways of the white man best, and he may see light where older eyes fail. In language obscured by figures, but otherwise clear and definite, the night-hawk described the mass redoubt of the French and its position. Ignorant of the ground around the fortress, Walter could form but an insufficient judgment of the spot where it was situated. But the form and nature of the work he comprehended well enough. He mused in silence for a minute or two after the chief had spoken, giving the black eagle good hope of his acquiring in time the Indian coolness, and then he said, "'It would be better for us, while the army attacks the redoubt in front, to take it in reverse.' "'What meanest thou, my son?' asked Black Eagle, for Walter, still busy with his own thoughts, had spoken in English. The young man explained his meaning more clearly in the Iroquois tongue, showing that, as the enemy's position was, probably, from want of time, only closed on three sides, it would be easy for an Indian party, by making a circuit, to come upon the rear of the French, unless some considerable body of natives were thrown out upon their western flank. But the night-hawk nodded his head slowly, with a look of approbation, saying, "'The Hurons are dogs, and creep close to the bowl of their masters. They are all within the stones or the mounds of earth, except those watching by the side of Horicon. The night-hawk has skinned over the ground toward the setting sun, and there was no print of a moccasin upon the trail.' "'Thou hast the cunning of a warrior, when thou art calm,' said Black Eagle, addressing Walter, "'and it shall be as thou hast said. "'We will spring upon the back of the game, but let the falling cataract know quickly. "'Hast thou the means? "'He will not understand the belt of wampum, and knows not the tongue of the Oneida.' "'I can find means,' said Walter, taking from the pouch he carried a pencil and an old pocket-book. "'But where will thy messenger find him, my father?' "'He is not far,' answered the chief. "'He sailed to-day from the midday toward the cold wind "'with the war-party of the English. "'I watched them from the Black Mountains, "'and they are a mighty people. "'They floated on Horicon like a string of swans, "'and their number upon the blue waters "'was like a flight of passage pigeons upon the sky "'when they travel westward. "'They landed where the earth becomes a lizard "'by the rattlesnake dens. "'But how long they may tarry, who shall say? "'Send quickly, then.' Walter had been writing on his knee while the chief spoke, and the brief note, which we have already seen delivered, was speedily finished. A messenger was then chosen for his swiftness of foot, and dispatched at once to the point where the English army first landed. When he returned, all was still amongst the Oneidas, and the warriors, with but few exceptions, were sleeping in the long grass. The news he brought, however, soon roused the drowsiest. The English flotilla had gone on, he said. He had found but a solitary canoe with a few mohawks, who told him that the battle would be on the following morning. Every warrior was on his feet in a moment. Their light baggage and arms were snatched up in haste. One party was detached to the east to watch the movements of the army. Another messenger was chosen and sent to bear the letter, 
and ere half an hour had gone by, the dusky bands were once more moving silently through the dark paths of the forest, only lighted from time to time by glimpses of the moon, and directed by the well-known stars which had so often guided their fathers through the boundless wilderness. End of chapter 34